0: The podcast is broadcasting live from... Inside the house! This is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Garrett Strother.
1: I'm one of your other hosts, Seamus Connolly,
0: And I'm Ricardo Salgado. I'm here, too. It is our big finale, our last Halloween October episode, and so... We're bringing back the Halloween Special Special, boys. Halloween Special Special 2, Electric Boo Galoo. Ooh, I love that. Real quick before we get into news, we'd like to encourage everybody listening to, no matter what platform you're listening on, give us a subscribe. If you're on YouTube, give this video a like. It really helps us out in the metrics, so anything like that that you guys would be willing to do would be very much appreciated, but let's move on with news. First off... Michael B. Jordan is going to be producing a Static Shock movie for DC. Awesome. I'm so happy, you guys.
1: It was so cool and different than a lot of the other, you know, cartoon superhero stuff that I saw. You'd get a little bored with the normal Batman, Superman, Spider-Man stuff sometimes, and
2: this is is dope. I actually watched the whole thing through uh, Static Shock pretty recently. It holds up, man. Season 1 is a little rough, (laughs) but the animation bumps up as it goes along. The stories get a little more complicated. It's solid. It's still pretty solid.
0: Well, I'm really excited to see what they do with this. Obviously, Michael B. Jordan is too old to play Static Shock now, so we'll see who they're going to get. Yeah, you're right. He's too old to be static, but
2: I think he'd be a great Ebon if you remember that bad guy from the show.
0: Is that the guy with the shadow stuff? Yep, Okay, cool.
1: I'm struggling to come up with who I would pick to play the lead here. I'm...
0: I mean, I'd like to see an unknown, I guess.
1: I think that'd be a good way to go about it, considering that this is a relatively, not unknown, but I guess lesser known hero character. You know, I think we might get another Shazam, perhaps? Just like a, a sleeper that just like blows everybody away. In terms of casting, a name I've seen thrown out there is the kid from Stranger Things. His name
2: escapes me at the moment.
0: His name is Caleb McLaughlin.
1: I mean, he's really good in that show. I just finished rewatching the first season of Stranger Things again, and, you know, he only gets stronger as those seasons go on. So, I mean, yeah, that would be a cool pick.
0: I'd like to see him do that. Now, we have other DC news.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, great.
0: Much less exciting this time around. (laughs) The Snyder Cut, continuing to confirm that it never actually existed in its slew of reshoots that it's doing, is bringing back the Jared Leto Joker. Just a few weeks ago, when we were talking about Birds of Prey, we were all saying how we will never see that version of the character again. <laughs> but don't worry, guys. He just keeps coming back.
1: I don't even know. It's absolute ridiculous that we're getting more and more weird news from this this cut that plagues us. But
0: Honestly, the more stuff that I hear about it, the worse it sounds which makes me more excited for it.
2: <laughs> does, it, though cuz we're going to have to talk about it and it's 4
0: hours long. I would way rather watch a like gloriously bad movie than a mediocre punch him up. I guess that's fair. You could
1: have done, done mean, anything. Why would you bring him back? Aren't they folding in like Amber Heard's footage from Aquaman and like Oh, are they? Uh, I think I heard that, and, like, they're, like, folding in more of the standalone movies characters back into this newer one, even though it takes place, I think, before a lot of these spinoffs, too. But, like you said, Garrett, it's, like, morbid curiosity at this point. It's like, how could this just get weirder and stranger? And
0: Moving on to a different mega-franchise, the Fast and the Furious series has announced that they will be ending after their 11th film with Justin Lin, who is directing F9, which is yet to come out, will also be returning to do 10 and 11. I suspect, yeah, that they will yeah. go and do spin-offs. I think they'll do Hobbs and Shaw. I think they could do Letty or whatever. I don't know. I've seen some of those movies. I'm really excited for F9 to come out. So we all have to suffer through watching them all back to back to back to back to oh, back. Oh, no. And, and podcasting while we do it.
1: Oh, a live stream marathon of like 40 hours of Dom
0: talking about family.
1: They're going to space in this new one, right?
0: That's what they say. Maybe John Cena's going to punch a hole in the moon. We'll see.
1: I was going to say, like, they can't go too much farther past space anyway. So they're going to just, like, fly. They're going to drive into the sun at the end of the last one. (laughs) Just, like, that's going to be it.
0: Moving on. We've got a couple of movie announcements here. They've been talking about this for a couple of years now. I've seen interviews and stuff with Warwick Davis where he talked about doing it, but they've officially confirmed that there is a Willow sequel in the works at Disney Plus with John M. Chu, who did Crazy Rich Asians directing.
2: Cool. What
0: is Willow?
1: (laughs) Similar question, same question.
0: (laughs) I've actually never seen it. But it is a fantasy heavily inspired, I think, by the Lord of the Rings, but, you know, not Lord of the Rings. It's Warwick Davis and Val Kilmer from the 80s, I think. I mean, is
1: Val Kilmer coming back or is it just Warwick Davis?
0: Dude, I hope so. Val Kilmer needs the work, man. Val Kilmer needs (laughs) to just
1: be on my screen in
0: general. I love him. Don't have more to say about that. Yeah,
1: moving on from
0: Willow. Also confirmed, Legally Blonde 3 is coming to theaters May 2022. I've only seen the first Legally Blonde, but I'm a big fan, so I'm excited to see it. I think the first Legally Blonde is like a really genuinely good movie.
1: I don't even know what that movie is about, and I think I often get it mixed up with, ah, what's the movie about the woman cop who has to like be in a beauty pageant? And like fake Miss being a muni- Yeah, that's what I mix it up with often, I think.
0: Completely different movies. Very different. Seamus sees a girl in a dress and he's like, oh, it's all the same.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> oh, you're revealing my deep, dark <laughs>
2: inner thoughts. Um, and this one, Reese Witherspoon uh, becomes a lawyer.
0: Yeah. Wait, what's the... the plot
1: of the first one? I thought that's, that was No, important. that is
0: the plot of in Legally Blonde. Reese Witherspoon oh. goes to law school.
1: And then the second one...
0: I think she goes to Washington? And I'd then I'd... the
1: third one, she replaces Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the Supreme <laughs> Court.
0: <laughs> Honestly, Shavis, <laughs> sign me up.
1: It's the Fast and the Furious thing. They have to one-up themselves. How are they going to do it?
0: What if she has to prosecute the Fast oh and the Furious my guys? God.
1: This is how you get me more into the Fast and the Furious, maybe? Did you know that this isn't even
0: the
2: real Legally Blonde 3? There was... A a disney channel original movie that was kind of a spin-off to legally blonde and it was about two blonde british twins going to like a boarding school I it think. was
0: it was the british girls from Zack and cody
1: wait you said it's disney channel right is it on disney plus
0: i'm looking it up it's called legally What's blondes it? plural legally, legally blondes. blondes it was not a disney channel original whoa this is weird it was produced by 20th century fox it did air on abc family and the disney channel but it was not a disney channel original
1: so fox and abc two major corporations that disney still now owns
0: so now it really should be on disney plus because they own was gonna fox. Say. so yeah it was a straight to dvd movie following the twins as l Woods' cousins are there
1: subtitles to these or are they just called legally blonde 2 and legally blonde 3
0: well legally blonde 2 is red white and blonde oh god i love it all right and do you know about the third one yet <laughs> The rumored title is Legally Blonde Reunion. I suspect it will have a better name I hope name it has out. a
1: funnier name than that. Red, white, and blonde is gold.
0: I'm looking forward to this. I like the first Legally Blonde. I'm excited for Seamus to see the first Legally Blonde. <laughs> yeah.
1: Miss Congeniality 2. Electric Boogaloo.
0: We're just going to break that one out. Breaking sure. that one out.
1: Uh, moving on to the next piece of news.
0: Well, you're going to be even more disgusted by the next piece of news, Seamus, because we have got our first... Official look at Tom Holland as Nathan Drake in the Uncharted movie.
1: Oh, boy. Holy sheesh kebab, man. I had thoughts of this, like, yesterday morning when I woke up to that picture. Tell me, Chavis. Tell me your thoughts. He looks like Peter Parker in cargo pants. He's, it's not the Nathan Drake... I guess that's a stupid thing to say. It's a video game character, but it just, it doesn't feel like Nathan Drake, even though they, I know they're going for like the younger origins of Nathan Drake movie, but it looks weird, right? Am I alone here?
0: Ricardo and I came up with the same joke, which is it looks like Tom Holland has a really good Nathan Drake Halloween costume.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's really what it is.
0: If he had posted this on social media and said,
2: hey, happy Halloween, everybody. Perfect. But this is a a real movie that's going to exist.
0: I will say this, they got the hair right, and honestly, seeing Tom Holland with the Nathan Drake hair actually did help me a little bit. I think Tom Holland is a good actor, I just do not see him pulling off this role.
1: Nathan Drake is a very quippy character, like, classically, he's very, you know, he slings a lot of jokes, and a lot of what he brings to the table as Spider-Man, too, is like, you know, he brings some of that humor in, but it's very, like, unsure and awkward humor. Mm -hmm. is what we kind of know him as because he does play younger roles, but there needs to be more of a confidence behind a Nathan Drake. Yeah, Nathan has some, some swag in his stuff. Exactly, and this is just a picture, obviously, and we'll see what's up. I'm waiting for the picture...
2: Of Mark Wahlberg. Yes,
1: I was going to say, when they release the picture of him with short white hair and a mustache, it's going to be the end of days.
0: Well, it's weird because a few months ago we saw those pictures of them shooting in Berlin, and it just looks like Mark Wahlberg is Mark Wahlberg. So I don't know if they're going to do some kind of CGI, if that was a fake-out shoot, like what was going on there. Mark Wahlberg also is just terrible casting, I think. And oh, yeah. are, are you kidding grossly me? Grossly Yeah, exactly. I still really like the fan film with Nathan Fillion and Stephen Lang, which I still oh, yeah, think not was pretty seen. good. Seamus, we're going to tweet out that link.
1: Yes, we absolutely are, because Nathan Fillion is a absolute treasure. Well, stay tuned for this train wreck of a video game movie, because it's a video game movie, and there's, like, one that did okay, and that was Sonic, and I never even saw it, so...
0: The first 25 minutes of Dora, that's not a video game movie for kids. Yeah, what are you talking anything.
2: There's this in the intro of the original Dora show. It's on a computer.
0: Yeah, Dora definitively is a video game in-universe. <laughs> so we also got a couple of trailers this week. Starting with Raya and the Last Dragon, which is coming May 2021, starring Kelly Marie Tran from Walt Disney Animation.
1: Oh, I knew that voice sounded familiar.
0: I think this looks really good. Yeah, I, know no, I was
1: really
2: impressed with this one.
0: The world looks really cool. The tone looks really cool. Yeah,
1: I think the
2: tone is what really kind of threw me off when I first watched it, because it does feel not like your typical like Disney princess movie. This one seems more focused on the action.
1: Yeah, I mean, all we see is like a ninja-style trap diffusion and cool fight snippets with this mysterious-looking masked figure, a cute animal sidekick like always with a little bit of a twist towards the end where it's giant and maybe small and maybe can change size.
0: I'm pretty excited to see whatever's going on there. It just looks like a good time.
2: Aquafina as the dragon. Oh, Oh, I I didn't know know that that either.
0: Very nice. Ricardo, you want to take our next trailer?
1: The
2: Animaniacs are coming back this November.
0: Looks
1: hilarious. I mean, from the trailer alone, it's just full of the meta nonsense that you have come to know and love. And it seems like they're kind (laughs) of hammering home a few more modern points that I think it's going to be a lot about like bringing the Animaniacs into the 21st century is going to it seems like a lot of what they're kind of going for.
0: Well, it seems like the perfect time to bring back the Animaniacs as a reboot because they are the perfect property to satirize reboots. Yeah, right. Because they're already so blatantly about the details of show business and everything else. I'm excited to see where they take it.
1: It's gonna be a Hulu exclusive.
0: Looks really fun. I'm excited to talk about it more. Yeah,
1: it'll be hilarious. I'm very, very excited.
0: We also got a couple of TV series announcements this week. First up, HBO is developing a television series called The Sun, being produced by and starring Jake Gyllenhaal, directed by Denis Villeneuve, the director behind Arrival, Sicario, Blade Runner 2049, and also Jake Gyllenhaal movies like Enemy, so they already have a relationship. Also on board are Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy, who showrun Westworld. I only watched the first season of Westworld. I wasn't huge on that, but I really like Denis Villeneuve and I really like Jake Gyllenhaal, so I'm really excited to see where they take this.
1: Yeah, I'm a big Holt guy, so I mean, I'll, if it looks good, I'll give it a shot. I mean, are there any details about what it's about, or is it just like this very impressive crew so far?
0: It's set in Oslo, Norway, and it follows a character who is an escaped convict with an opioid addiction that cannot recall his past.
1: Whoa, that is heavy stuff. I saw um Lilyhammer. It was a Netflix original, which I absolutely loved, and it takes place in Norway and I don't know if it was just for the show or if it's generally like a pretty English speaking country, but I think there are gonna be pretty seamless ways to get around that in general anyway, so I'm sure you yeah. won't even notice.
0: I'm excited about that one. Do
1: we have a release time for that?
0: They just announced it was in development, so probably not, but let me look. I don't see any kind of release timeline. Yeah, I figured.
1: Well, we'll keep an eye on this one for sure. It's gonna be it's gonna be pretty exciting.
0: Up next, some very very conflicting series news tim burton is developing a live-action adams family tv series which on the one hand i'm pumped to see the adams family back in live action on the other hand i have absolutely no interest in seeing tim burton take on these characters
2: it's a little on the nose don't you think <laughs> it
0: seems weird. that's what i'm saying it's I hate that everything that's weird and gothic has to be a Tim Burton thing now. Tim Burton, I think, has a very distinct style that is separate from the tone of the Adams family. And I don't want them to be homogenized into his style, really. I would much rather see a different voice... Maybe a voice who hasn't had so much opportunity to create things similar to the tone of the Addams Family. Step in and do what they can do with it. I was pretty bummed about how bad that new animated one looks because I really like the Addams Family. And honestly, I kind of hope they just bring the cast from that movie into this live action one because it was a really good lineup.
2: Yeah, man. Oscar Isaac as Gomez Adams. That's like perfect casting right there.
1: I don't have a big old history with the Addams Family I actually don't think I've ever seen a single episode or movie of The Addams Family. It was a show, right?
0: So Charles Adams had a series of one-panel comic strips that was The Addams Family that then got turned into a TV show, and then in the 90s, they did two movies, and then they did the most recent animated movie. And there's also a Broadway musical, there's like straight-to-TV movies, there's a, there's a lot, but basically the main stuff is comics, TV show, the two movies, the Broadway musical, the new movie, and now this. It's a
1: big thing for a lot of people, you know, a lot of people grew up on that, and hopefully if it isn't the best, it'll go the way of, like, the Tim Burton Willy Wonka, you know, taking a very beloved IP, and it it's just now kind of like, oh yeah, there's the weirder version of this story if you want to watch the weirder version, but it doesn't necessarily taint the other, more classic stuff.
0: Once they announce a cast, I think I'll have more to go off of. Seamus, Ricardo, pour one out, boys. Because we mark the passing of a legend.
1: It came and went like the wind without anybody realizing that it would just be so temporary. Too soon.
0: True to their roots of short-form content that nobody cares about, Quibi will be shutting its doors on December 1st. I know we're memeing about (laughs) it, guys. This is sad that... There are a lot of people that Quibi was employing that are now going to be without work. I am sad that they could not find a buyer. I know it's funny to dunk on Quibi because it is just such a patently bad idea that was executed so poorly.
2: Just this grand study in hubris. Just the absolute hubris you had to have to think Quibi was going to be your goldmine.
0: It's like Katzenberg turned into the kind of Disney executive that's the reason he left Disney to begin with.
1: From the start, this seems like it could have just been, like, a... Like, it sounds like a feature on Instagram that could be right next to, like, Instagram stories or something. Like, it sounds like a feature of a sub-app of a different social media thing that, you know, akin to, like, a Vine almost, but, like, more professionally done. But I saw the most bizarre Quibi commercials for such a very short amount of time. They really went so far into this, like, it was gonna be... Like Oscars stuff was gonna start coming from Quibi.
0: If they had gone the Peacock route and had a free tier that was ad supported I think they would have not had to shut down. Wait,
1: there's no I think
2: free version of Quibi? You can get a free trial, but you eventually will have to pay for Murder House Flip
1: I Maybe I only was seeing the ads for, like, the really hyper-specific weird ones, but all the content itself looked like a parody of a parody of things that you would find in, like, the background of a TV show that you think is funny. You know?
0: Quibi itself is a 30-rock bit. Yeah, right?
1: 100%. We should dedicate this episode to Quibi. <laughs> Dedicated to Quibi. We should do that when it actually closes. That's like putting somebody who's in the hospital in memoriam at the Oscars. They're like, what the hell, man? I'm
0: still here. <laughs> Now it's time for our Halloween special special where we're going to break down one Halloween special that each of the 3 of us picked and we're going to we're not going to do anything else we're just going to break them down. <laughs> good
1: good description.
0: We're going to start with my pick, I think, which is the Disney 1949 adaptation of Sleepy Hollow Ichabod Crane, originally released in one piece, also with the Disney adaptation of Wind in the Willows, which was marketed as The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. That is also how you can find it on Disney Plus right now, but I had a videotape when I was a kid that was just this segment.
1: How do they do that? Because I know in this, there is the first part that is the Mr. Toad adventure where they have like a British narrator, Basil Rathbone, and then they transition to the American narrator who is... Bing Crosby. I loved Bing. I mean, obviously, who doesn't love Bing? He is... A golden boy in music only and not personality, but we won't touch on that. Yeah. This was nice, though. I I usually associate him more with Christmas, and this was a very fun Halloween tale.
0: I think he has a good voice for this story. Like, he's a good old American boy, but the depth of his voice has something a little bit sinister yet playful to it, which is exactly what the tone of this is.
1: I don't know if I had the VHS or anything, but I definitely remember this from my young days, but there's a lot less headless horsemen than I remember in this story, you know? It's a lot of just, like, Ichabod is, you know, Ichabod's the town bicycle, if I'm gonna be frank. Everybody's getting a ride on that, man. Is the food he's eating an allegory for all the women he's bedding in this town? Or is that just...
0: Well, I think the Disney one does a really good job of showing that it's all about excess with him. It's greed, it's... That is true. It, he has a ravenous appetite, not just for food and for women, but also, you know, Katrina von Tassel, who is the ultimate object of his affection and desire in this story it's heavily implied that he really only wants to be with her because of her father's large estate. Yeah, I didn't remember that either. I
1: Because there's like a beefcake Gaston character who's like also after Katrina, and he's like, you know, generally the one that you're supposed to be rooting against, but we get no exposition where he's dreaming of her father's gold. Supposed We're supposed to just kind of automatically root against him because he's pining after the same woman that Ichabod Crane is.
0: Sleepy Hollow, both in Washington Irving's original story and this, like, Ichabod is not the hero. It's a cautionary tale about greed, I think, predominantly. It's actually funny that you brought up Gaston because this character in Sleepy Hollow was a huge inspiration for the look and animation of Gaston in Beauty and the right, Beast. that totally you know, clocks. 40 years later. It's very interesting, the morality of this story. And I think part of the reason that the Headless Horseman is so emblazoned in our minds, Seamus, is because he is terrifying. As a kid, I was so scared oh, yeah, of to, him. To
1: think about a headless revenge ghost that's cutting people's heads off is pretty, it's pretty hardcore for like a small child's Halloween special concept, you know?
0: And in the original story, he is the ghost of a Revolutionary War soldier, whose head was taken off by a cannon a cannonball.
1: Yeah, I do remember that.
0: That's actually based on a real story. So they mentioned Terrytown in New York at the beginning of this short, which is a real place. And the real place that Washington Irving knew was called North Terrytown, which was often referred to as Sleepy Hollow and was later even renamed Sleepy Hollow. So this is like a real place. Oh wow. And there's a real unmarked grave for a Revolutionary War soldier whose head was taken off by a cannonball in the Sleepy Hollow Cemetery, which is also where Washington Irving is buried. God, there is a
1: lot more (laughs) darker lore to this than I had anticipated.
0: Ichabod Crane was also a real guy. Washington Irving took the name from a real man that he knew. Oh, okay. Also, in North Tarrytown, there was a Katarina Von Tassel. Ooh. So there's a lot of actuality in the story of Sleepy Hollow, which I think is very interesting. It makes it creepier, I think.
1: Did either of you guys, uh, this might have been a hyper specific thing when I was a kid, there was a place that was like a nature preserve not too far from my house where every Halloween they would have like a live recreation of, you know, some like key scenes in the story and then they'd have a guy dressed as the headless horseman like galloping full speed past everybody. Is that just me?
0: No, but that's amazing. Yeah, that sounds
1: really cool. It was awesome. That's probably why I was so... And, you know, even stuff like that makes me think that the Headless Horseman has more of a prominent role in the story itself,
0: but... It's just such a terrifying image.
1: Yeah, right? I mean, you know, in the cartoon, he swipes at him. He's he's coming for his head. I Could he have been actually trying to murder him at the edge of town? Would he have been happy either killing him or having him run away forever? I mean, it would have been a win for him either way, so...
0: The story much more strongly implies that Ichabod gets away. Not that this movie doesn't imply that, but that it's also partially a cautionary tale about ghost stories. It is a story where the character is undone by being afraid of a ghost story, but it is in itself a ghost story.
2: Would that ghost story have, like, scared either of you? Because that theme song was very jazzy. (laughs) It did not at all impose a sense of, like, dread or fear. (laughs) I was was vibing.
1: They're snapping and they're all smiling and singing Well, Ichabod is, like, shaking in his boots with what they're saying.
0: I remember being horrified of the last shot of the Headless Horseman throwing yeah, his pumpkin. Yeah, that was pretty good. I liked that. That that would have probably gotten me. Ricardo, as somebody who hadn't seen this, what was your general impression?
2: Like, I knew the big, like, payoff with the Headless Horseman happened all the way at the end. So I figured, okay, that's what they're going to build towards. So it's going to be, like, setting a lot of atmosphere, make it kind of creepy like, a slow creep of dread. It was just kind of a fun, silly Disney cartoon, which I didn't know was going to be a musical when I turned it on. So Ichabod's just kind of walking down the street, and suddenly everyone breaks out into song about how weird-looking he is. I had fun with it, though. I enjoyed it, even as someone who, like, They'll be kind of vaguely familiar with the stories of Sleepy Hollow.
1: Yeah, it was a fun time. Obviously, I hadn't seen it in forever. I had one of those brain unlock moments watching it of just like of a memory that I didn't know I had. So it was very fun to kind of get back to that. Obviously, as a kid, I never knew it was like Bing Crosby who was the singer.
0: Also, there is an absolutely stacked roster of classic Disney talent working on this short behind the scenes. mary blair who is most famous for like basically she is the entire look of it's a small world oh did a lot of the coloring on this i think you could tell it has very distinct coloring especially the headless horseman portions most of who are known as the nine old men which will eventually do as a pop culture reference i'm assuming most of disney's nine old men including like ollie johnson were working on this frank thomas Ub Iwerks was working on this, who was Walt Disney's original partner. The list goes on. It's just a absolute treasure trove of early Disney talent. They got Ub? Doing special processes, whatever that <laughs> means. Seamus, are
1: you familiar with Ub Iwerks? Am I crazy? Isn't that like the cat guy? Like the original guy that was helping start things up? Or am I thinking of somebody else?
0: Oswald the Rabbit is what you're thinking of. That's what I'm thinking of. Not, am I thinking of the feel right guy? Not like the Cat. Yeah. There's a lot of talent on display.
1: You know, I chuckled. There were some laughing moments thrown in there, and then that great chase at the end makes it feel wrapped up nice and tidy. I will say that the ending where they're like, they found his hat, and some say that he got his head taken, but really it was he, you know, got married in the next town and had a bunch of kids and all that. I thought that was kind of a funny, super fast way to wrap everything up where it, like, kind of all works out, but... I guess that's actually how the real story goes, is that it's ambiguous, so...
0: It's a spooky time. Not too spooky. This is a good spooky for the kids. It's a kid's, kid-friendly spooky. Yeah,
1: probably the least spooky of the three that we have today.
0: Somehow, yes.
1: Somehow, yes, including a Scooby-Doo property.
0: Is that what we want to talk about next, is the Scooby-Doo Project? Yeah, let's
1: jump into it. I brought to our Halloween special, the
2: Scooby-Doo Project, which is a real deep cut, because it only aired once...
0: <laughs> Well, okay, so what I had read was that they aired it as bumpers. Yeah. And then they aired it once all stitched together. Is that accurate?
2: Yeah. It's the Blair Witch project, except it's Scooby Doo.
0: Yep, that's
1: what it is. Yeah.
2: This was uh like an assignment for like three like Cartoon Network animators who were like, Hey, we're having a-, a marathon in October. Make some promos for it. And like Blair Witch had just come out. And they were like, can we just do that? And the network let them go. It aired in between like commercials during that marathon. And then once that was over, they aired the whole thing stitched together. And then it was just kind of lost for 20 years.
0: Well, they did a really good job. It's really funny. It's meta. While I was watching it, I hadn't read that it was bumpers, but I could kind of tell that it was bumpers because there was an awful lot of, oh, something scary's going on. And then it was Scooby outside the tent or whatever. There was a lot. That happened... A few too many times. Which, Granted, as bumpers, that is also
1: fine. a big part of the Blair Witch project. Is oh no, there's something scary going on, and then nothing outside the tent. So
0: as a Blair Witch parody, it is really spectacular. Oh yeah, dude. They hit it so right. The specific references that they sneak in really work. The only thing that I really wish that they'd had was Daphne shakedly doing a mile. That's what at I was the waiting the for. They
1: kind of did a little. bit <laughs> Like they did almost that when she was telling like a scary story with a flashlight under her chin, to the others. But it's not quite the same of like snot bubbles flying and like super close up.
0: They had Shaggy standing yeah. in the corner, which is what I wanted. So,
2: <laughs> if you've ever wanted to see like the Scooby Gang just kind of
1: break down, like they get really mean and yeah, one. everyone is kind they of really a do. jerk shaggy makes fun of that toothless woman
0: yeah (laughs) well at first i wondered if it was going to be some kind of curse like a horcrux you know like making them be mean but it was just
1: like the scooby gang off the set of like a scooby-doo movie and they're just like making fun of each other's catchphrases
0: okay let's talk about the meta scooby-doo moments because one of the things that they do when they're mocking each other is mocking each other's catchphrases
1: that was one of my favorite bits. It's so funny of just going back and forth of Zoinks and Jinkies about like which one is or is it a real word?
0: Jinkies were totally Zoinks.
1: Oh yeah, that's hilarious. I'd wear that on a T-shirt. That's gonna be like one of the one of the crowning moments <laughs> of this special. For me personally, it was another Velma moment where she loses her glasses and Fred goes off on her about like we're not helping <laughs> you find the glasses. We're finding them for you. You can't see. <laughs>
0: I think my favorite moment is when she says, I hate this part with the doors, and then looks down the hallway. That was the one that got me. Very
1: (laughs) funny. Chasing each other through the doors.
0: I was kind of impressed for 1999. Like, I'm assuming the budget on this wasn't very good.
2: Oh, yeah, this was like a a shoestring budget. I can imagine.
0: The compositing of them in the real world looked pretty good. Yeah, totally.
2: That was what drew me into this special in the first place. I love stuff like that where they
1: like, combine like,
2: animation with, like, real-world backgrounds.
0: It's a good way to spend 20 minutes,
1: I'll say that. As a big fan, I guess, I was affected a lot in my uh, horror roots by the Blair Witch Project, so this was a blast for me. I was completely surprised to see, like, the OG Cartoon Network logo attached to it. Like, I didn't really know what I was watching before I started it, and so it was even, like, tonally a little dark for, to me, Cartoon Network in general, even for 1999. Like, it's a dark movie to parody with Scooby-Doo.
0: Especially because they end the short with the Scooby gang missing. Yeah, oh my god! Straight up. I think this whole premise is fun. I like... For whatever reason, especially Scooby-Doo is a really easy property to take and kind of put into a different genre or as a parody or something and just make it work really well. This is
1: almost like the litmus test of if they ever did a more legitimately scary, grittier reboot of Scooby-Doo. Like this kind of dips its toes in the water of like, can we take these characters who are literally never having that bad of a time like chasing bad guys and and monsters and like putting them in a real horror scenario and like seeing if that could be workable and it kind of is in my in my opinion
0: i really would like to see a scooby-doo horror movie
1: <laughs> it's pretty close to like, I know the live do... action one truly but
0: i know they do zombie island and i know the live action ones are more adult I don't know. I'd like to see like a theatrically released animated Scooby-Doo horror movie. I think that'd be really fun.
1: It would be a hard one to
0: greenlight. Should we move on to our last spooky segment?
2: Listener beware, you're in for a scare. Goosebumps.
0: This is my first exposure to the Goosebumps TV series. I had read a couple of the books when I was in elementary school, but I had never seen an episode of Goosebumps.
1: This is the pilot of the (laughs) show from I don't even know what year.
0: Honestly, for being from 1995... I was really expecting it to be a lot worse than it was, Seamus. I I will say,
1: this was a two-part episode. I think the first entire season is all two-parters. I don't know how they were, like, syndicating that at the time. But, um, the second part is definitely where this one shines. This is the Haunted Mask. It's a classic. I didn't even realize it was the original televised one. I actually don't even know if these were televised, because I only ever got them at the library on VHS in bulk, along with stacks of X-Files VHS. VHS tapes, so that's how my exposure went to this for the first time. As a kid, like, shaking in my boots fear from those masks. Like, oh boy, when they start floating.
0: I actually did get a little creeped out. When the head talks, the fact that the effects were bad, and that made it like it made it creepier right yeah exactly like it was a weird uncanny valley it didn't just feel like like how they would have done it on Disney Channel 10 years later where they just superimposed the actor's actual head on the fact that it's the weird isolated mouth, stuttery plasticky and like the dead eyes or even
1: going back to the first part of the haunted mask when it's just the frame of the plaster bust quickly smiling and going back that always creeped me out as a kid too man
0: I did not catch that, oh, but that's interesting.
1: Our roles are reversed here. You usually catch the things that I don't, Garrett. I am the king of this podcast now. At the very least, you're the king,
2: of, king goosebumps. of goosebumps. King goosebumps.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Wait, Ricardo, how familiar are you with the old Goosebumps show? Not... Very. I didn't actually
2: watch a whole lot of the original show when it was airing, but like I've seen the promos. I think I've read a couple of the books when I was a kid, and I saw the movie, but that's about it.
0: I'm kind of surprised that I wasn't more into the books or the TV show, because that's exactly the kind of spooky stuff that I would have thought I'd be into. I've always been into kind of ghosts, and in that I am extremely scared of ghosts and hate them, but also that draws me to the stories that they're in more. Yeah,
1: exactly. I was so bad with scary things like i couldn't even watch the episode of simpsons treehouse of horror when mr burns is an alien and is just like glowing in the forest would make me like cry that I, is I, it was creepy so one. scary that is, that is creepy that's still okay so me i'm today. not alone here i'm okay i feel a little better yeah, I kind of dropped this on you guys thinking that I wasn't alone in my obsession with the Goosebumps show. I didn't read the books as much, but this one is, like, one of the absolute, like, most famous classic Goosebumps stories. I think this, along with, like, Night of the Living Dummy, is one of the ones that get, like, seasons later they'll do, like, sequels to the, the story and, like, keep up with, like, a continuation of it. And this was the first one being specifically Halloween-based. It's about a girl, Carly Beth. They say her name about a thousand times between the two episodes. She is chronically a scaredy cat. She gets scared by everything accidental and on purpose. She gets messed with by her little brother and these two very vicious bullies uh, from her school.
0: There's a scene where the bullies put a worm in her sandwich. She ate the worm for real. The actress during the episode. You can't even tell. They, you they, literally can't even yeah, tell. Yeah, she like
1: takes three giant bites out of this tuna sandwich with an earthworm in it and then like throws it on the table and there's a full worm in it. It's not bitten in half. But they made that girl eat a
0: worm? They gave her a fake worm and she said she wanted to do a real one. And This so method
1: acting little punk is trying to upstage people <laughs> on the Goosebumps set? Is Brando, her acting coach, around the corner? What is happening? <laughs>
0: So I didn't mean to completely no, derail your synopsis. No, I'm glad you I just... told
1: me that. That's insane.
0: You can't. You can't tell. It's
1: a plain white bread sandwich. This chronically scared girl finds a mysterious Halloween mask shop in her town, and honestly, she steals the scariest mask that she can find in this store from a very strange and spooky shopkeeper, and it starts to like change her personality into like an evil being and is grafting itself to her body and face. I think, genuinely, that is another big point of this that scared me a lot as a kid. Wasn't even the supernatural stuff, but was the idea of being trapped in a latex Halloween mask that's, like, stuck to my face. Even rewatching that, like, recently, watching the scene where she's freaking out, trying to get it off her neck, is very, very weird.
0: I will say, the only other thing that creeped me out was when she says, those aren't my eyes, those aren't my eyes. Yeah,
1: that's, it's like, they make the makeup so that it's, like, really well stuck around her eyes, and they're, like, spritzing it with water to make it look like it's sweating when she's running around and stuff, and it's, it's genuinely pretty freaky.
0: This wasn't something that scared me, but I actually did feel genuinely bad for her when she was tearing up her costume. I I was sad for her. Why? Well, I,
1: I don't know, man. I agree with Garrett. She didn't do anything wrong. Definitely, people are being jerks to her, but maybe it's just her child actor crying that got to me. I was just like, well, whatever. Just just go get the other mask already. I'm done here.
0: Think about this poor 11-year-old girl. She's just sad and she just wants to have a good time and everybody just keeps picking on her. I guess.
1: I mean, I don't know.
0: It also made me sad for her mom. You know, the mom seemed
1: nice and she's making the costume and she steals the bust that the mom made to, like, be a part of her scary costume. And if
2: that doesn't, show how much we've aged.
0: She's having a rough week. The little boy seems like a handful. I'm just saying.
1: Oh man, the little boy. It ends on the cliffhanger there.
0: You said there are some follow-up episodes. Is there a follow-up to this? I don't
1: remember if the next one is about the little brother. I feel like it's about a different uh, set of like around the same age as Carly Beth, I want to say. I need to see, because now I'm having memories of like the bully characters maybe being the main characters of the next one. The main uh, shopkeeper guy.
2: I wasn't necessarily scared by him. He just... I was just really interested in his whole backstory. Like, it's really cool. I don't know. I wanted more
1: of that.
0: Does he come back? That's what I'm trying to
1: find out, because
0: I... Okay, yes, he's back in The Haunted Mask 2. It's Season 2, Episode 11. The Shopkeeper is back. Carly Beth is back. Well, I tell you, I'm curious enough about that guy that I'm probably going to watch The Haunted Mask 2.
1: I just want to touch on... R.L. Stein in the beginning and the end of these. So funny and weird. I don't know if his parents show up every time, but that made me laugh out loud. That was hilarious. Like, unearned. It wasn't that scary. He didn't bring up his parents before. This is the first time we ever meet this guy. (laughs) Makes no sense. It's hilarious.
0: Also, I know it's 1995, but I just kept thinking during the entire intro, man, I could do a better job than this in After Effects on my laptop But I guarantee
1: you, you could not recreate a jam as good as the Goosebumps theme song. That is a fact.
0: (laughs) This was way better than I expected it to be. When you picked a Goosebumps, (laughs) I was like, oh, man, what is this going to be? Like, it wasn't good, but I was entertained. So, yeah, I I will go back and watch more Goosebumps now, which I never (laughs) would have done, Seamus. So, yeah, this has been our special, special segment. Do you guys have any final words to say if you
2: do happen to check out any of the specials we've talked about today uh let us know your thoughts
0: also if you have goosebumps recommendations for me to check out go ahead and tweet us at pcr underscore podcast or send us an email at pop at gmail.com now it's time for where's riley where i have seamus and ricardo guess where our friend riley is So, with that, we weren't able to reach Riley today. Your guess is going to have to serve as the best possible answer to where Riley Well, I've
1: been seeing a lot of missing posters around town for a group of filmmakers that just marched into the woods with a black and white camera, but I'm like 30% positive that's not related to Riley, so...
0: All right, should we move on to our pop culture reference of the episode? Today's pop culture reference is found footage. So, we already covered... As part of our Halloween special special, a Blair Witch Project parody of Scooby-Doo, the Scooby-Doo Project. Blair Witch Project is credited with bringing in the found footage horror fad that happened from the late 90s to the late 2000s. First of all, I guess, what do you guys think of found footage horror in general?
2: I gotta say, man, I'm not a fan. I couldn't sit through those.
1: I am a fan Guys, I watched the Blair Witch Project on a VHS tape I got at a thrift store when I was like 11 years old. It like ruined me, man. I was so scared. Just, I knew it wasn't really real, but they did such a good job of doing that in the Blair Witch specifically that, you know, I went on to fall in love with like Cloverfield, obviously is one of my favorites. And say what you will about Paranormal Activity. I think the first one is genuinely scary as hell. I haven't seen it in a while, but they kind of go off the rails after the first two, but I'm I'm there for it. I, I think it's a great device, especially for horror.
0: That's the thing about Blair Witch Project that's really special and why it sparked this huge trend of making these found footage horror movies is because the marketing was so well executed that people really were unsure if it was real or not. A lot of people left the theater convinced that it had actually happened and that was real found footage. So that's really effective. Now, of course, Blair Witch is by no means the first found footage horror film But it's just the modern one that showcased how easily independent filmmakers could make these lower budget found footage horror films. Like you go back to 1980 with Cannibal Holocaust. That is literally the story of a guy finds footage of a documentary crew that had been there and that's the movie. So you'd seen these kinds of works earlier. The stage was kind of set for found footage to make a splash when Blair Witch came out because it was getting easier to make good-ish looking movies independently, especially on a micro-budget. Obviously, that's where Blumhouse, which is the horror titan, kind of found its footing was in these early found footage movies.
2: And they're still kind of going off that model where it's like horror movies with like no budget. Like they don't spend a whole lot on their movies and that forces people to get creative.
0: Well, and we touched on that last week with our pop culture reference that was B-movies. Horror has always been very much rooted in having to be resourceful in how low budget it can be but this just opened the door on who can make movies so even though i'm not a huge fan of found footage as a genre i appreciate the idea that it opened the doors for who was able to make movies easily
2: i will say the one uh, found footage movie i do genuinely enjoy is chronicle
0: yeah chronicle is definitely a highlight of the found footage genre i would say now it's time to save the Rec Center, where we rec amend something at the end of each week.
1: One year ago, our original Halloween episode recommend the soundtrack. For Over the Garden Wall, because by God, if you enjoyed Over the Garden Wall in general, the music is just absolutely charming and so well done. And if you listen to the album in full, there are a lot of great alternate tracks that that are very fun that never made it into the show. I got a great laugh out of the Alphabet song from the School Teacher Woman that you don't really hear all of in the show, but it's absolutely hilarious. It's the perfect time. You have, like, from the beginning of October to the end of November to enjoy that album perfectly so give it a shot
0: all right so for my pick i'm actually going to stay with our found footage theme really the only found footage that i am completely fond of we mentioned earlier i like chronicle just fine but there's a norwegian and english co-production called troll hunter that came out in 2010, 10 years ago, and it is a found footage movie about kids that are following around a eccentric older gentleman who claims to hunt trolls. I think this movie really found its footing in streaming. It was on Netflix for a really long time. Unfortunately, it's not anymore, but there are lots of places that you can watch it for free or for cheap. You can watch it on Hoopla, which you can get through most libraries. Tubi, which is free, Pluto TV, which is free, Crackle, free, Plex, free. So, if you don't mind watching a few ads, there are lots of places that you could watch this movie. I think it just uses found footage really well. It's very entertaining, and it doesn't, like, reach beyond its station, while also seamlessly incorporating what effects and story it has.
1: Yeah, you've told me about this one in my fandom of, like, Cloverfield and stuff with, like, good found footage horror so i must check this out i've heard not only you recommend this one but a, a lot of people
0: it's really good james i really would like to hear your thoughts on it it's a great time and i think that wraps us up for our second halloween special special if you want to reach the podcast you can tweet us at pcr underscore podcast or send us an email at pop reference pod at gmail.com also if you subscribe to the show or give us a like That really helps us out. No matter what platform you're watching, that really helps us with engagement. So, happy Halloween. Also, stay home. Stay home home on Halloween. Send us your Halloween costumes.